Wow. Episode 20. This has gone very, very fast. Um, hello. Welcome to Off Air. Uh, it's your weekly news, pop culture, sport, tech podcast that drops on a Wednesday afternoon where Nick Stewart and myself, Tim Rubin, pull apart our top three stories of the week. Nick has no idea of the stories, so I decide on them. And then I fire them at him and we find out what he thinks and we pull them apart together. And we also take a little look at behind the media curtain and the media spin of some of these things. I like to let you know what we're about to get into. So coming up, we have hashtag stop hate. The reason why Kim K, Leonardo DiCaprio and Sasha Baron Cohen won't be posting on Instagram today. You can jump on and check. Um, story number two is the gender reveal party that set California on fire. Oh, my God. And story number three, hashtag cancel Netflix. Uh, the film that has been labeled pedophilic. Um, should it stay on air? Let's get into it. If you have um, something that you would love to contribute or share with us, we would love to chat with you as well. Jump in our Facebook group, search Off Air on Facebook, and we will see you in there. Tim, Nick, yeah, let's with Nick and Tim. Tim. It's real talk, yeah. hey, it's real walks. This ain't gossip, it's just what we say when we're off air. It's real talk, it's real talk. Just two opinions, we spit what we say. We off air, it's real talk. It's true talk. It's two opinions, we spit what we say when we off air. It ain't gossip. I, I, there's just layers upon layers that I discover every week. In what the, my, are you talking about? It ain't got he James. He goes, it ain't gossip. No, it's not. It's not gossip. Well, some of it's gossip, but then we look into it and we try and pull it apart. Hello, like Nick. Gossip. Hey, Tim. How are you? I'm good. Happy Wednesday. How's your life? Oh, look, it's a constant source of uh, something for me. That's the thing. It just keeps going. Life. It's it's a real thing that just continues and you never expect what chapter is going to come did something weird and existential happen to you this week <laughs> no you, i'm just tired it's have you finally go- decided to do the acid episode that we've always discussed <laughs> we just i told you and- <laughs> that's season two episode one uh no 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 i'm just crazy i'm trying to be positive i want to bring upbeat energy i got some uh, some 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 people messaged into the page and they said, sometimes Nick sounds a bit down. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to bring 100% to the table. Wow. Wow. That's okay. Good. Well, thanks. So who messaged in? Do you remember who it was? No, I'm not going to remember their names. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Um, hey, apologies for last week, Nick. Uh, what have we done? 20 episodes. And last week I recorded through the wrong microphone. So now we have a little thing where before we record, we'll check that we're recording through our microphones um, instead of through our headphone microphones or, com- or computer microphones. I, so, for one, uh, feel like you sitting in a toilet is the best way. Because technically, probably, if you are listening to this right now, you might be in a toilet and you would have felt like Tim was coming to you from another stall. I would love if somebody listens to us on the toilet. That would... I, I would be stoked. If you listen to us in a weird place, let us know. I would... Oh, that would make my day. Can we find the weirdest places? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Because... I listen to a podcast when I'm taking a dump, for sure. Yeah. Like, well, once what, the headphones are in. What yeah. else are you going to do with your time? There's heaps of things I just, heaps of monotonous stuff I do while listening to a podcast. I often cook uh, while listening to a podcast. If you do cook, both Tim and I, massive food lovers, feel free to send us your favorite recipes. Oh, yeah. We're really, we're, we're asking for anything. Send us whatever. Bit where of content. Are, yeah, we're, what, we're very bored. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> negative feedback as well. Not even constructive stuff. 
Just if if you just feel like Tim has a stupid face, just message the page and tell us. Um, let's get started. Nick picks. Have you got a Nick pick for us this week? Oh, mate, I have the best nitpick. Uh, oh, Nick pick. Sorry. So this, for a little peek behind the curtain here, this is a constant bane of Tim's existence because he asks me and then I'm like, oh, shit, what have I done in the past week? So today I'm going to give you the five best pieces of life advice from a placeformum.com. Your nick pick is a place for mum.com. Is that no, what it is? No. What's it's your nick pick? Five life advice tips. It's so, the advice. Okay. Shh. All right. Hit me. This is my guy. Laughter is truly the best medicine. Always make Incorrect. sure you can take care of yourself. Yeah. Get an education. Don't spend more than you earn. And whatever you do, do it well and try your hardest. That's my Nick picks. Nick, just do something in the week and write it down. Don't come to the podcast each week and have no idea what you're... And then search the internet for some dumb thing at the very last second. Okay? And then try and pass it off as I'm doing something creative and clever. But for me... You have have one thing... To prepare each week, literally one. Just a thought of something that you've done. I'm okay? going to add a third one. Accept your limitations, which is something I've done. That's I have, a sixth I have one. Stop reading things off this dumb page. I'm going to give you a Nick pick, okay? Because okay. I actually did something and I actually think about this. I did some um, something that I'm really stoked about. Nick, I butter-aged a steak five weeks ago. Oh yeah, we. I think we spoke about this in the podcast about five episodes ago. So th- this is where you case the entire uh, cut of meat in butter. Yeah, I bought some beautiful um, sirloin steaks, and yeah, I'd seen a video where you you basically drizzle like inches of butter over a steak and then put it in the fridge and you leave it and the butter encases it and dries and goes solid. And then um, it seeps in and flavors the steak while the steak Mm. ages. Mm. And uh, we, uh, we weren't sure when we were going to actually do it. We were like, we'll save it for the last week of lockdown. And then it turned out that um, we like, we weren't even thinking about this five weeks ago, but it was our anniversary, Ellie and my anniversary on Monday. And so we went, why don't we pop them out of the butter? on Monday and and barbecue them up. It was intense, Nick. It was like a religious experience. Really? Like how'd you cook the, them? Um I well I actually just cooked them in a pan in oil because um I, I don't yeah, I didn't they were quite thick cuts. Yeah. So I wanted to keep on flipping them and I didn't want them to uh burn over the open flame. Sorry any wonderful barbecuers who are scoffing at me right now. No, no, pan's um, a fine place to do a steak. You finish it off in the yeah. oven, it's beautiful. A little bit of garlic. Anyway, mm. These steaks, Nick, there was so much flavor. It was like it was like eating a whole steak in every bite. It was a lot. So in terms of workload to pay off, was it worth it? Uh, I mean, it was it was incredible. It was so rich, but neither of us could eat the whole thing because it was so full on. It was a lot. It was just a lot happening in my mouth at once. I don't know if this, um, you know, from the Burbs palate was ready for this level of fine dining experience in my own backyard. I'm not, I don't know if it was me or the steak. 
but it was just too much for me. It was like going to an IMAX cinema for the first time. That's what it was, Nick. So this was your one year anniversary with Ali, your partner. Yes. Yes. So that's interesting because did 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 the evening end in uh, a romance? What? Why would you ask that? Well, because <laughs> it's it sort of it generally tends to peter off the longer the relationship goes on, and I can say that from someone who's been in you know a seven and a half eight year long relationship uh, with my fiance Jazz, and and at some point when it when it comes to anniversaries, you get to the point where you're just so g'd up on the food you're gonna eat. <laughs> and you stuff yourself and they stuff themselves to the point where there is no thought of any romance. And it sounds like that could have been the situation with you guys. That I'm not, I don't want to comment. I haven't discussed with Ellie about how much of our intimate life we're going to share in mine and your podcast every single week. Um, <laughs> we have a very healthy sex life. I don't want to, that's a weird question. Why is that the first thing you would think of? Because that's where my mind goes. Because it's ABCs. A, there's an ABC rule tip. And What's the ABC rule? It's Christmas. That's not how we work. Okay, whatever. I'm starting the podcast. Are you ready for story number one? All right, you <laughs> Story number one. Hashtag stop hate, Nick. Kim Kardashian, Leonardo DiCaprio, Sasha Baron Cohen, and a whole bunch of other huge celebrities vow to not use Facebook or Instagram for 24 hours in a digital protest against the Facebook Instagram company. Um, So this, I guess you'd call it a quote-unquote protest, is actually launching literally right now on Wednesday America time. Um, As we are speaking, it's getting started. And I was thinking, Nick, instead of me explaining their perspectives, I've actually got their posts. Do you want to pick who's, whose post would you like to hear from? Kim K, Leonardo DiCaprio, or Sasha Baron Cohen. What do, you, what do you want? Let's go, Sasha. Okay, his is the shortest. He said, the only thing more terrifying than Mark Zuckerberg surfing in whiteface with a photo of him when he was surfing like covered in zinc is the white supremacy and lies Facebook spreads every day. This Wednesday, September 16, I'm freezing my Instagram to tell Mark to hashtag stop hate for profit who's in. And as far as I can tell, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, I think was one of the first people to start this and a whole bunch of other celebrities have gotten on board. Have you seen this brewing away at the moment, Nick? Uh, well, I am not uh, super active on the gram uh, or Facebook, so I haven't seen this, but it doesn't surprise me. And it doesn't surprise me that Sasha Baron Cohen sort of has led the charge on this because he's he has been very vocal about uh, his thoughts on who Facebook allows to advertise for a while. It was about a year ago that mm. he came out and said that if this was the 19, uh, late 1930s, Facebook would be letting Hitler uh, advertise his political messages on their page. So it's it's it, it seems like a really great cause. Again, it's something we've talked about for a while. It's such a hard thing to police. Like how are you going to – and also then it stops sort of – I don't want to use the word free press, but it stops – it stops that freedom of information, I guess. Uh, if you do I'll, start policing it, exactly, because yeah. where wherein do you draw the line? And and I would, I, I don't know this, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are um, uh, political organisations that potentially Facebook or employees of Facebook donate to, and is that then a corruption of power from Facebook? Yeah, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. That's uh, that's an interesting question. It's not something that any of these people have touched on. I think that this comes off the back of, uh, I'm not sure if you've spotted this, but The Social Dilemma is a brand new Netflix movie that actually popped out like next uh, last week, sorry, and is a documentary that basically looks at how powerful Facebook and social media are. I'm going to say Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, obviously the same company now, yeah. how, how powerful the Facebook tool and algorithm is now um, and how dangerous this can be for democracy. Have you seen the documentary, by the way? I haven't watched the documentary yet. No, but you it's definitely, see it. oh mate, it's definitely on my list. I've seen um, blurbs about it and I've watched some small things about it. It, it, I mean, it's such a curious thing, but does any of it surprise you? Does any of it surprise you that this is such a corrupting force? And 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 it had I th- I thought it has by by this point been conclusively proven um, that this is a, in in a lot of ways uh, what Russia used to influence the last election four years ago. It has been, yes, and and not just in Russia, but in a number of countries around the world. Uh, Cambridge Analytica originally started testing this to see if they could throw. Um, elections and they found that it worked. So they started doing it on small countries like Myanmar and on some small African countries and they found that they could do it, which is so scary to think that they were literally just testing, like A-B testing software mm. with with the fate of countries and millions of people's lives and economies and things like that. They found that it they were able to do it. These were the findings and it's now exactly like you're saying, coming out that, uh, yeah, Russia was very heavily involved in the last US election. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens and how this is policed or if it's even policed for the upcoming election. Um, part of what they're talking about basically with with this stop hate for profit um, hashtag. So in the documentary, one of the things that they touch on is an MIT study done um, a few years ago found that fake news manages to spread six times faster on social media than real news does. Have you heard that before? No, but it's it's funny. <clears throat> that's a funny statistic because, I mean, that's something that uh, having worked in traditional media, they always say like negative comments spread six times faster than positive mm. comments. Like if you, if you tell one person a good thing, they'll go tell one other or three other people. If you tell them a bad thing, they'll go tell 12. So it's a very human nature thing for us to spread salacious news. And it doesn't yeah. surprise me that that's that that is a big part of it because obviously a lot of these conspiracy theories are so salacious and you don't know it takes a lot of personal research. Like, I think it's very interesting. Do you find you get a lot of political, uh, like you on a personal level, do you find you get a lot of political information broadcast to you through social media streams? I don't. And I think it's because I don't fit into any of those categories because I don't show any interest in it on social media because I, I I consume social media quite a lot. Mm. Um, it's a huge part of my job and my life, but it doesn't. It's not my major news source, and I don't get that information from those groups. That makes a lot so, of sense because we find our <clears throat> tribes, right? Like ev- everywhere yes. in life, and, and it's a big marketing term to find your tribe. And these people, uh, certain people, are going to find their tribe in these fringe groups in social media. Yes, and if they receive. Yeah, I've seen it happen to some some people from my school, as I'm sure we've all got those people from our high school who've gone a bit yeah. radical, whether it's left wing or right wing. 
and they put up a post and it might get 500 likes. And to them, they're like, yeah, I'm a voice of the people that got 500 likes. Look at this. There's 500 people who agree with me without putting it into the context of, you know, what is 500 in relation to the population of Australia? 0.00001 00002 you know what i mean like it's mm. it's actually not a great audience there's so many humans out there so it's curious is it going to affect the way in which you use social media um what the the stop hate for profit or or the documentary in general the way that Being i use social media it, you're you're now aware of these things and that that it is a tool that can be used for both good and evil, like all things in this world. I'm just curious, is it going to change your behaviors towards it? I think it's something, um, and and really I, I recommend checking out this documentary so that you know more about kind of where, where I'm coming from. It's definitely, uh, it, yes, it does make me think about the way that I use social media. I get a lot of positivity out of social media because I have friends from all around the country and I have a lot of creative friends, friends who run their own businesses, and I love supporting them, liking their work that they do um, and and seeing what my friends are up to in their lives. So for me, it has a huge positive impact on my life. But I think it starts to get really dangerous when you start to close yourself off to only people who, um, only people who reflect the same perspectives that you have. Isn't that um, what you've done though? Like p- purely what? playing devil's advocate. Isn't that sort of like you've found your tribe of people that just Me make personally. each other happy? No, because I have a number. I mean, I mean, I have pretty much an open Facebook door policy. So I have, um, I've got just less than three thousand Facebook friends, um, people that have listened to me on the radio or met me at an event or whatever. And I actually consciously keep people who post things that I disagree with. Um, I have, I have Trump supporters. I have five G people, um, like anti coronavirus people. I, I have them all. And I think it's really important for me not to delete them because it's I don't want to segregate them and I don't want to segregate myself. So I think the way that I use it is I want a, as big a scope as I can possibly have so that I can see everybody's perspective and that humanizes for me people with those perspectives that might seem super alien. Um, but a lot of people don't do this. And so what Facebook does is once you have this little echo chamber and it can pinpoint you, then it can keep on feeding things to you and essentially warping your perspective. And this is what the documentary goes into. Um, and especially, so so that um, study about the six times of fake news spreading six times faster on social media than real news, what they've then found with that. So the Facebook algorithm is designed to hook people into using social media as much as possible, because the more you're using it, the more ads you're going to be exposed to. And so Facebook therefore favors fake news because it spreads faster. So it has higher engagement. So you're on your phone reading for longer. So you're then seeing more ads. So this is why this is basically why this whole hashtag stop hate for profit thing is going on because uh, these celebrities want to take a stand against fa- against Facebook's algorithm, um, basically favoriting, fa- uh, playing favorite towards fake stuff that just separates these societies. It's really interesting. 
Yeah, it certainly is. I don't know what it's going to solve. Like if Facebook is geared that way. It's not. I would suggest that it's probably not geared that way though to intentionally spread hateful messages. It's just no. geared that way because it knows that's what people want to see. So it's going to draw them back to their devices more. Yes. The algorithm doesn't know what's true or what's yeah. false. It just knows these are things that are sticky. This and so is we're going to interest to you. Yeah. So what's me, your advice? Me... Well, I don't, I don't have advice right you now. Let me... some. You can't bring up a problem without advice. I can already see a simple one. A simple one would be to go add a page today that, that, that contradicts your views or go yeah. in a, in a, in a positive way. Go add or go add a page of something positive that is going to give you an influx of positive things. I mean, that's my Facebook is a pretty lame place. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm on like three pages Cool Dog Group, Backyard Poultry, and Batuta Advocate. And you added me, I think, to two of those. And I love it. All I get is pictures like if I opened up my Facebook right now, yeah. I'll scroll through it. And I have got. There is, okay, a uh, cool dog group post, post from a friend of him, friends and family. There's lots of radio crap on here, obviously. Yeah. And then some chicken posts and then a Batuta Advocate post. And that's my whole- Backyard Poultry is great, just as a side note. It it's is just a tremendous page. It's really funny. Uh, I think that my advice is basically what I was saying before, which is if I, it, we're all on social media, if you're using it, don't um, close people out and block people to create your very own echo chamber um, because you're essentially putting blinkers on yourself. And once you're in that echo chamber, that's when Facebook really starts pinpointing you and starts maneuvering you towards um, engaging content um, that it believes can manipulate you into, into certain types of action. So the other big thing is just fucking fact check things, people. Like yeah, I hate to true. be that. And and in all honesty, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably someone that fact checks things. Don't get your news from Facebook. <laughs> nothing, nothing has ever been well thought out or a well positioned argument when it's the third time it's been screenshotted and cropped and then reshared so you can tell it's fuzzy. We don't need to have memes in this world that look like they were taken off photographed Polaroids from the eighties. Like if if your Uncle Dave and your Aunt Sharon are sharing stuff about the Australian Labor Party taking seven dollars out of every ten dollars and giving it to homeless people it's probably <laughs> bullshit. That's probably what I would bullshit. say the bigger yeah. advice is. Yeah, I, I think that that's very good advice. Just to come back to the celebrity aspect of this, which is kind of where this all popped into the news, I think that um, it's really interesting. Like Kim Kardashian, you, you, I, I very often kind of drag her through the mud for the dumb stuff that that her and her family gets up to. I think that this is good. I think that them taking a digital stand, I think that an online protest, it's not to the same level of, you know, a, a Martin Luther King protest or something like that, that would really happen in the streets and have huge effect immediately. Um, but I think that it's important that this conversation starts happening. So yeah, I would say, think about what I like. I like that you and I are having this conversation. Think about the way that you use social media, and also I would highly recommend watch this documentary, The Social Dilemma, um, and then have it again. Have the conversation with your friends. Should we move on? That's what they want you to do. Story number two: Gender reveal fires on the fifth of September. Um, so what is that? Uh, two uh, two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago, 
a Californian couple who were celebrating their gender reveal. Um, they had organized some pyrotechnics and they lit off this flame thing. A puff of blue smoke went up. Congratulations, it was a boy. Unfortunately, the flames caught fire to surrounding areas and in the following couple of days, 10,000 acres of Californian National Park was on fire. Right now, so that was two weeks ago, right now, there are 7,718 fires across California. 2.3 million acres are on fire. 20 people have died. Very serious. 5,000 buildings have been destroyed. Nick, was this the last gender reveal party ever? I certainly hope so. Uh, it, yeah. What a ridiculous thing. Like, I, I said I was going to be more positive for this podcast. Oh, God. But honestly... I broke you. Yeah. Why do we need to... I mean, it's just... We're sinking further into idiocracy. And this goes back around to... the. I mean, the gender reveal party... It was never a thing. I don't even know. I'm at the moment going through the process of getting married. I don't understand why we need an engagement party. Why are you having a party to announce that you're having a fucking party? Like, first and foremost, uh, what what does it matter what gender your child is born? Like, that for me is the first thing. Is why why is it of any significance to anyone in this day and age whether you're having a girl or a boy? Because in our culture, dowries aren't paid. Like there aren't, there aren't specific benefits to having a boy and, and having mm. a girl, as far as I'm aware, is pretty, pretty great. So I don't know why we need to celebrate that. Have you ever, have you had any friends do a gender reveal party thing? Yeah. Yeah. I went to a gender reveal party last year. Oh, um, why? Well, because it was, they, they are very good friends of mine and they were having one and I was very excited for them to be having a baby. And for me personally, I am, I agree with you. I'm not a huge fan of the concept of a gender reveal, but when your friends are having one, you go. I mean, have you, have you, have you never been? No, no. I have good friends. I have a small circle of people that aren't assholes. <laughs> they, my friends are not assholes. I hope they're not listening. They probably are. Um, they popped a balloon is all that they did. Um, and I, I wasn't going to get into you know, the point that I found out that they were having a gender reveal party was the point where I got the invitation for the gender reveal may party. Well it's just, not like I could... may as well have just may as well have just choked a dolphin and seen what <laughs> color blood came out, popping balloons. Uh, but it we is don't very have enough waste in this world. What the ones I don't get is like, let's have more fun with this. The ones I don't get are the ones where they're like doing burnouts and stuff, or or, or explosions like this that has caused horrific fires across california which is exactly what they didn't need at the moment yes so 2.3 million acres they're up to now the more bogan you are the more destruction your your birth needs to do which it already is let's face it if you're if you if you're the type of person that thinks doing a burnout for the gender reveal is a good idea then you shouldn't be having kids anyway like it's already of great concern to me that you have decided to have another child let alone announce to the world through some form of, of horrific through motor vehicle to envi- our environment that it's necessary to do that. Like, if anything, you should be like, "Look, I'm sorry, uh, we we fucked without a condom. It was a really silly thing to do. I know we don't need more kids in this world." <laughs> I'm okay. I'm a little bit. I, I'm a little bit put off. I was hoping that you were going to be pro gender reveal because I actually agree with you on this, and I prefer <laughs> to play devil's advocate and pick holes in what you're saying. I don't think I don't necessarily agree with you to the extent that you are. 
like I don't think that if you if you want to have a burnout for your gender reveal, you shouldn't be having a child. I think that that's very strong, Nick. And I think, I think we should be celebrating them getting vasectomies, like or having like a tubes tying party. Like, thank God, our education system isn't going to be clogged with more morons. Like, do you remember when Charlene tried to fucking anyway? Look. So, okay, so you think the gen- the interesting thing about all of this um, is that it is something that is growing completely out of nowhere. So, I actually did some research, and did you know that the first gender reveal um, happened in two thousand and eight? It doesn't someone- surprise me. This is how yeah. engagement rings happened, and I've already been conned into that thing. Well, and there's so many because isn't there also an eternity ring? Is that like the third ring that you're now supposed to get? Yeah, yeah. Which is again, uh, uh, like variable on when it happens. Like it's there's right. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, these are traditions. None of these traditions existed a hundred years ago. Like a diamond engagement ring was not a a set in stone. Pardon the pun. Tradition. No, um, it was invented by De Beers in yeah. the like 1950s, which who, is who uh, weirdly like and and. Ha- <laughs> happened to own all the diamonds on the planet. Happened, happened to be the number one diamond um, yeah. <laughs> wholesaler in the, on, on the face of the earth. Yeah. So so the first ever gender reveal party happened in 2008. It was uh, by a woman by the name of Jenna Carvinidis, Carvinidis, Um And she had, the first gender reveal was her cutting open a cake and it had um, pink filled icing. So as she cut open, you could see that there was the pink inside of it. And she was a very successful blogger, which for the kids that are listening was something that happened in 2008 um, before, <laughs> before TikTok. So, and she was the first person that did it, put a blog up about it, and that's where it spread. Um, and she has since said that she, uh, she wishes that she had never done it. She regrets starting the trend because of how crazy they have become. And they are continuing to get crazier. So I did some other research. Last year, um, somebody hired a plane to do a gender reveal stunt and it crashed and the pilot died. Uh, and also last year, this, this is all in America, uh, a grand... No, to- really? <laughs> I'm so surprised this is the culture that's born this. Um, also, a grandmother-to-be was killed because uh, a couple had made a homemade pipe bomb with blue dye in it, and it unfortunately exploded and killed the grandmother. Well, I don't mind that one. That's a one-for-one deal. You're bringing <laughs> someone time. in, you're taking someone out. It's that, I mean, that in itself is very Viking. I, I kind of like the theory behind that. Like, your time is done, Grandma. We're welcoming the boy into the world. He needs your, your I, carbon footprint. What I think is interesting about the gender reveal, and... I'm not as anti-gender reveal as you are. I think if you want to do it by popping a balloon or by cutting open a cake in a way that doesn't hurt anybody, I don't think that there's a a major downside to it. But what I think is really interesting is that people doing these super dangerous acts that keep on getting bigger and crazier, if these were being done and attributed to any other faction of society, people would be fucking up in arms. Like, can you imagine, Nick, if... Uh, if if it was a thing that trans people did a gender like renewal party, or I or, or and, I'm thinking of like a coming out party, and like yeah, the- <laughs> yeah. So imagine if it was imagine if it was a coming imagine if that was a thing that people had a coming out party and it was like a big part of gay or trans culture to do some type of explosion. Can you imagine if there was a trans man or woman in California who their explosion had set 2.3 million acres of Californian fi- um, bushfires off? Like the, 
if this shoe was on any other foot other than completely straight entitled you know, entitled white couples which yeah. is essentially the people who are doing it because it doesn't exist in any other kind um in any other no uh, yeah if Stacy and Chad over in Calabasas that's who it is that's who's doing if, these things if anybody else was doing these things if there was a muslim ceremony where you announced the the gender of your baby and they set half of california on fire that would be the end of them people would be going crazy but it's so interesting that because it's not like it's just this thing that keeps on growing it doesn't have to it's fame hungry people we all need you know what we need a little bit of socialism and communism in this country just to grind us back down stop trying stop trying to be a reality tv people and just let's let's get some hard work and potatoes back into us and build an industry. I love that your answer for gender reveal parties is is communism. Well, that'll fix it. <laughs> we don't see a lot of it coming out of North Korea. That's all I'm saying. Exactly right. Four haircuts. You choose one. You stick to it. You're on your way. That's you get all. the gender that you are assigned by our leader exactly. Kim Jong Un. From his eternal sleep that he happens to be in, <laughs> but he's not they, dead. They still ride white horses up to the biggest hill in that country to make decisions. That's the kind what? of stuff I want to see going on. I want to see Scott Morrison on the back of an emu riding it to Ayers Rock or Uluru. Sorry, that's a bad faux pas. Riding yeah, it to Uluru, it. ascending Uluru, and then making some some steep decisions for the future of our nation. <laughs> And then presenting them to everybody that gathers beneath in a kind of circle of life-esque. Yeah. Yeah. I think you truly are born into the wrong. Like, you would just be great in North Korea. You would have climbed so high by now. Wouldn't I? Get with the program, people. It's it's either the carrot or the stick. You get one or the other. Is it too late to move? Can you do that? I don't know. I feel like I could be like a Che Guevara-esque rebel and and just move around from uh, unsettled country to unsettled country. And eventually die in a guerrilla camp in in <laughs> in a remote South American country. Happy. <laughs> Just make sure you go wherever you go has Wi-Fi, so we can still check in once a week. <laughs> Just hear bullets flying over. It's real talk. Bow to the people. <laughs> anyway, you ready for story number yeah, three? Let's do it. Story number three. Um. Cuties. Hashtag cancel the cuties. So Nick, people are cancelling their Netflix subscriptions out of protest. This is our second protest story of the day. Um, Out of protest over an apparently pedophilic movie called Cuties. So Cuties is a uh, French film. Um, It came out in 2019, received critical acclaim. So this is not a reality show. Mm. It actually won Best Director for a Drama at Sundance. So it's it's apparently quite an esteemed film. It's the story of a French Senegalese girl who is 11 years old, um, growing up in France in a strict Muslim family. Um, And it follows her journey into what, really is a hypersexualized tween world. And that world really does exist. Um, at the moment, there has been huge backlash online. The hashtag cancel, hashtag cancel Netflix is currently trending on Twitter. Um, and there is a change.org pe- uh, petition, which is up at the moment, that currently has 600,000 signatures 
saying that we should not be uh, viewing this pedophilic film. So what Have is the s- elements of pedophilia that's in it? So uh, firstly, I haven't seen the movie. I've watched the trailer and I've read a lot of these articles about it. Um, so the elements of it are that this girl is um, basically at a very young age, discovering elements of her sexuality Um she meets a group of girlfriends who are kind of going through the same thing. They start wanting to wear sexier clothes. Um, they start going to parties and introducing themselves and saying that they're 14 um, and, and doing things like that. Uh, in some of the uh, kind of angry tweets that I saw, it said that there were um, long shots of bums and budding breasts and bodies and things like that. So, I do think that there are, you know, body parts. I don't think uh, naked body parts, but I do think that it explores the sexuality of an underage character. Um, and I should say as well that it's actually directed by a French Senegalese woman um, who I, I'm guessing this is probably based on some sort of her Elements experience. Of her life or potentially. Potentially, yeah. yeah. You don't know. But one thing I would say, well, I, I'd be interested because you have a massive hard one for the French. And you, you also love theatre, so I'm sure you've got some opinions on this. But Maybe we could not use that expression in this story because <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I did panic for a second when you started that sentence. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Okay, Tim likes, uh, I studied for a year, uh, for a semester in France, and I also have a theatre background and film background. So for, for me, I guess that's what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. go on. Yeah, so... Uh, like I'm assuming that the argument here is that that we shouldn't censor these things, and I would attend to agree with that because I mean, if you look at some of the greatest, when you look back and you're like the most critically acclaimed films of the 20th century, and a lot of it is uh, like Lolita is a great example of a film that that deals specifically with pedophilia uh, and and uh, and underage sexualization of women and things like that. These things sort of need to exist in our culture. And it is weird because we all do come, a lot of us have our sexual awakening, I guess. It's a, it's a lousy yeah. one, but a lot of us do when we are underage, like when we are teenagers, you are immediately surrounded by pornography from the age of 10 mm. or 11 onwards. So it's, it, 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 is it bad that this is reflected in art? Well, this is the, this is the point. And I actually, again, frustratingly share the same opinion as you, Nick. So um, I'll, I'll give you some of the hash, uh, some of the tweets that people have been putting out there. So somebody has written, uh, "Why did Netflix let a child porn to be aired?" Um, Six hundred and fifty little girls twerking. So a lot of it is dance um, shots because they start going in dance battles and things like that. Mm. Somebody else has tweeted, "About to end a decade-long relationship with Netflix." As a dad of an 11-year-old daughter, this is so unacceptable. No amount of pedophilia is acceptable. Hashtag cancel Netflix. So I guess the argument that people are making, and it's a fair argument. It's not an argument that I disagree with. The argument that people are making is no amount of pedophilia is acceptable. Is a lot of people have a hard and fast rule. There's a solid line in the sand. Pedophilia it's not it's not open for discussion. The I think interest- that's a really fair point when you say it that way. Like it's, and yeah. and, I, and I can't speak from the perspective of being a parent because I'm not. Um, 
But I need to know, I guess for me, before I fully comment on this, I would probably need to go uh, watch it. Or, or to understand more what they refer to as pedophilia. Like, is there an adult in this movie that has sex with a child? So or this is, is the thing. that there is arousing it's, images of kids? That's it. It's the second thing. So I think the interesting point for me to break down is that pedophilia is actually an act and to watch something from a pedophilic perspective actually puts that uh that responsibility exists within the eyes of the viewer Mm. and so to make a film that explores the uh sexuality of a young character doesn't necessarily um uh doesn't necessarily condone pedophilia so right. in the same in the same way that for example you can watch the movie Schindler's List Schindler's List has Nazis in it Schindler's List is not pro Nazi well not only that but that's like saying Sears film clip to chandelier is pedophilic because it has an underage girl dancing not even provocatively but dancing in a but dancing park. Yeah. Yeah. Or like that's saying that the photos that that dad invariably puts up of his 11 year old kid when they're at the beach is uh, sharing pedophilic images, which I'm sure he would be mortified at the suggestion of. Um, Yes. But but you're 100% right. It can only be, unless there is acts of pedophilia occurring in it, it can only be viewed as pedophilic content by pedophiles. Yes, but the question then becomes if you're creating content that opens the door for that. So if you're creating content that is centered around those concepts, it becomes a magnet for pedophiles and you're putting something like that on Netflix, yeah, which is that's 10 bucks. And that's a fair point. I can understand that as well. It's, I mean, it's a really hard because should we stop making art that represents life and should we just ignore that this is part of life? And, and at what point are children just wrapped in cotton wool? Like it's a very, it's, it's a very hard thing, but it's been a debate for centuries um, mm. over the censorship of art. I think that I I agree, and I think that I mean I saw a study recently that said that something like eighty percent of um, boys under the age of eleven had at some point witnessed some form of hardcore porno- pornography by now, um, because we live, yeah, we live in a world where uh, porn is so readily accessible, um, and these kind of this level of sexualization is happening in the world and the other thing that i think is important about this film is this journey that this female character is going on is a real journey like if you are an 11 year old girl um which i don't think we would have many 11 year old girl listeners but if you know hypothetically if you're an 11 year old girl today you probably have facebook you have instagram you see you follow ariana grande you follow Selena Gomez. These are people that are creating highly sexualized content all the time. And it's a really interesting and difficult time for young girls to grow up. And at the moment, there's a, there's basically no content being created that honestly looks at that journey that, that we're putting girls through. And so I think it's very interesting for people to be so up in arms about a film that eloquently and... I'm going to say eloquently, even though I haven't seen it, but the fact that it won a Sundance Best Director, 
Like, I think we can say this isn't just a, a reality show. Yeah. If you're creating a film that eloquently expresses that journey that real girls are going on, if people are getting very angry about that, maybe they need to take a look at some of the things that the world is exposing their children to and maybe have a look at, I don't know, how whether or not they let their kids uh, partake in those things rather no, you than... you can't do that. You can't do that. The Band-Aid's been ripped off for all of us in society. And the one thing I would say, look... The other big thing is there has never been a more socially conscious generation than the generation of young people that are like I now I meet 18, 19, 20 year olds and they are so emotional. They, they have such a high range yeah. of emotional intelligence already and they are so switched on. We should yeah. be in, in, incredibly proud of these children because they are so mature. It's far more mature than I was as an 18, yeah. 19, Oh, I would, t- I, w- I would agree. Yeah. So 100%. It's, it's actually a real positive thing, but the hard part of it is it requires a lot of ownership from parents. It requires parents to have conversations that are naturally a little bit awkward to have at a younger age that they don't want to, especially because it's your daughter. Like as a man, mm. it's your daughter and you don't want your daughter to be sexualized at that age by anyone. So it's, it's a confronting thing for you to have to approach but it comes back to like, look, there's, there's, there's three things that are universal to all of us in this world. We'll all be born, we'll all have sex, and we'll all die. And it's weird that all three of those subjects are the three most taboo subjects and the things that we have the hardest thing to talk about. Mm. So, you know, I think as a, as, a, as, a, as a culture, we need to get better at discussing birth. We need to get better at discussing sex. And the difference between sex for copulation and sex for enjoyment and the, and, and the difference in those things. And we also need to get better at discussing death. And that's what it really comes back to. As, as a society, we need better guidelines and, and better ways to have those conversations. Mm. What I think is interesting about this as well is everybody's getting very, or they're, not everybody, a lot of people are getting very angry about this. I can't imagine that this film would be overly confronting or troublesome for an 11-year-old girl to watch or no. for an 11-year-old boy to watch. It's part of because their life. And if anything, part of- it could, it, there's, there's probably elements of it that they could find very relatable. I think it's probably yes. just more shocking for parents who've had their blinkers on about what the real world is like now because it is so different to what it was 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting one though, isn't it? Because the last thing that you would ever want is to encourage uh, pedophilia. But I think that the way that you fight that is through like literal policing um, through, I mean, like there are problems with child pornography on the internet. And I think that those are the bigger fish that are worth frying. Yeah, absolutely. And, And it would be interesting to know, God, I mean, this is some very heavy shit to get into. But it's like, uh, just like I was born a cis male, someone mm. is born a pedophile. Is it's, that like, is that a fair statement to make? It is a fair statement to make. It's actually something that I think about a lot. I feel incredibly sorry for. I look. I obviously um, would never condone pedophilia. No, but I feel like that moment for a person oh god who the moment that they realize that that is what they're attracted to 
what a terrible, terrible crushing moment where you realize that your entire life is doomed. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. There's a a very interesting documentary, actually, um, that I would recommend if you haven't seen it. Uh, It's, uh, I think it's called A Place for Pedophiles. um, Louis Thoreau. That Louis Louis Thoreau has done, yeah. And they basically talk to uh, convicted um, pedophiles and... Uh, many of them have done time and they, they don't know what to do because they can't rehabilitate into society. Many of them, um, self castrate by literally like chopping off their own dick and balls. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah. I I think that that would be a terrible, terrible moment. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's the ultimate taboo in society, isn't it? Like, yeah. And again, again, I have no, universally. Yeah, I don't want it to sound as if I am feeling sorry for them no, compared no, to a victim. No, I don't think it's um, coming across that way. I think I understand. I, I understand. It's it's from your but what a t- from you putting yourself in their mindset in terms of discovering that about themselves w- through their sexual awakening. I would assume. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. That, there's a reason that this is an incredibly taboo topic, and that's because it it creates a really visceral emotional react. Like like right now. I feel emotionally charged, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's created an emotional reaction in the pit of my stomach, in in somewhere in my stomach that I don't often feel things, to be honest. Like, and it's just a weird, it's, it's a weird topic, man. It's very heavy. I think we should wrap it up there. <laughs> <laughs> should we do, should we do favorite story of the week again? Should we do no, dumb story no, ties? No, no, no. You don't want it to be a thing? No, I don't want it to be a thing. No, you don't want it to no. be a thing. I think it's good, okay. it's good to have hard conversations. That's the point of these things. We, we want to have hard conversations. And it's and it, it that goes back to the first story from today. It's really important to be able to have conversations that you find awkward. Yeah. Well, let's put it out there. Let's see what people think. Um, if you like hanging out with us and you have perspectives on this that we haven't touched on, we would love to hear them. Jump on our Facebook group, search off air um, and send us a message. Just like somebody sent a message saying that Nick is a cranky old man, which he is. Um, yeah, that thanks for hanging. get fucked. You, can- <laughs> <laughs> you don't even remember their name. All right. Anything else you want to add, Nick? Or should we wrap this bad no, boy no, up? I'm good. I'm good. See you next week. Bye.